AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. All right, so the grains were kind of able to hold on to gains today. Soybeans unable to buck the trend of lower soy meal. Um, there's lots lots to talk about. I want to start at the difference between a supply-driven and a demand-driven market. I know it, it may be elementary for, for some of y'all, but I, for one, could use a fresh look at the supply and demand balance. Live from a molasses cookie kind of day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I will chat with Carl Setzer from Consus, and directly following the news, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net checks in. I'm in for the sojourning Chip Flory. It's me, your pal, Davis Michelson, behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. So glad you've opted to join us today to join me, you know. Uh, I'm flying solo today. Chip is headed down for uh, to, to Commodity Classic. He and Big Apple Joe are making their way southward to Houston. Um, you know, we got a rundown from Big Apple himself this morning about where you can find them. I'll, uh, I'll hit those sort of as we go along here, uh, if if time permits. But, man, we got a lot to talk about. Um, I've got Carl Setzer from Consus on today. And, uh, I mean, of course, if it needs to be said, we'll, you know, we'll hit the markets, what you need to do, old crop marketing, new crop marketing, you know, should have sold more, yada, yada, yada. We'll get, we'll get you all of that. Um, but, but Carl and I were going back and forth just a little bit ahead of the show here. Uh, and we, you know, he, he brought up some, some excellent points about this market and maybe some reasons why we, we should be careful not to be too down on these markets. Um, in putting together this month's landowner, which is almost complete uh, and ready to go out to you good subscribers, um, I, I took a look at three different economic reports from three different universities, and man, people are sour out there. Uh, Carl wants to talk about supply-driven markets and demand-driven markets. He wants to talk about the difference. And I got to be honest, I don't know enough about where he's coming from to know what he's talking about. So I'm very anxious to get to this um, because, as I said, in in a world of downtrodden ag thinkers, Carl Setzer thinks maybe things aren't quite as bad as as they seem. We'll find out um, after that. In the fourth segment today, <laughs> I've got some fresh news on Chinese urea production. You're not going to want to miss that. We're going to talk fertilizer in the fourth segment and directly after the news, we do have Matt Bennett from agmarket.net standing by for some perspective on these wacky markets today. So let's get to the news where wheat futures were the upside leaders among the grain and oil seeds today with the U.S. dollar under pressure. State-level winter wheat crop condition ratings released yesterday signaled more general improvement in the HRW crop over the past month. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that without new U.S. military aid, his country will be unable to defend a Black Sea shipping corridor. 
May SRW futures extended above the 10-day moving average of 577 and one quarter, now facing resistance at the 20-day moving average of 590 and three quarters. Uh, July HRW wheat futures gained nine and three quarters to 576 and one quarter. July SRW wheat was up nine and one quarter cents to 586 and one quarter. July spring wheat closed at 666 and one half. That's up eight and three quarters today. Um, the Ukraine thing, man, new U.S. military aid. We've had the, uh, we've had Congress out on recess. I think they're all fully assembled as of today. Maybe it's, maybe it's tomorrow. The other half gets back. I'm not sure which half is back. Whatever. I can't keep track of it all. The thought is, you know, we, we, if we're going to hear something on funding for Ukraine, it needs to happen quick, uh, because it sounds like it's, uh, spiraling out of control quickly over there in Ukraine. They need some cash to keep things rolling. Corn futures extended yesterday's gains amid support of outside markets. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier kept his Brazilian and Argentine corn crop estimates unchanged while maintaining a neutral to lower bias toward both crops moving forward. Mexico's agricultural harvested area is projected to drop in 2024 due to drought prompting another record corn import figure this year. Uh, here at home, May corn failed to best resistance at the 10-day moving average of 427.5. Initial support lies at Monday's close of 422.5. May corn futures, two cents higher today, 423.5. July corn futures gained two and one quarter cents to 436. December corn futures added three cents to 460. Soybean futures posted follow-through gains after a solid overnight performance, but weakness in soybean meal dragged soybeans into negative territory. USDA did report daily export sales of 123,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to unknown destinations for the 23-24 marketing year. Dr. Michael Cordonier kept his Brazilian and Argentine soybean estimates unchanged, given rains last week and more in the forecast this week. Cordonier maintained a neutral to lower bias toward both the Argentine and Brazilian soybean crops. Here at home, May beans closed uh, just below initial support at 11.43 and one quarter, indicating persistent bearish momentum. And actually, that May contract, uh, we're going to call it a two and a half cents below support. Uh, it seems like support may have been broken yet again in the beans. We'll ask Carl about that. July cotton was 417 points higher today, up over 100 at 175. Brian Grady talked about that 100 level in the cotton this morning. Well, fat cattle futures were unable to muster a move higher in today's trade as technical selling limit to the upside. USDA's cold storage report showed frozen beef stocks at the end of Jan down 4.9 million pounds from Dece. Beef stocks fell 11.2% from January 2023, 7.8% below the five-year average. April live cattle softened 37.5 cents today to 187.72 and a half. June futures down 52 and a half to 183.57 and one half. And April feeders gained a nickel to 258.95. And on the snout side, lean hog futures higher today, although strength was limited as traders refused to build in too much futures premium to the cash index. Cold storage report showed pork stocks rose during January. April hogs down 37.5 to 85.90. June hogs faltered 52.5 to close at 99.32.5. And And with that, let's bring in agmarket.net's Matt Bennett. Mr. Bennett, welcome to AgriTalk. What do you like in these markets? Well, it's nice to see a little bit of green on the screen. Finally, you know, you kind of reversed there yesterday on the corn market. Little bit of, little bit of fall through here today. I mean, uh, you know, up a penny or two, beats down five six cents. 
several days in a row. So, you know, I mean, it it certainly is nice to see. I mean, we're down here at Commodity Classic this week. You know, we're going to try to talk about markets somewhat. I think that, uh, you know, uh, I've been following a little bit uh, with Jim Wiesmeyer and Pro Farmer and whatnot. You know, I mean, this uh, announcement this week on SAF could be a pretty darn big deal. So uh, I think that uh, as far as a longer term type of of action, I think we need to pay close attention. Uh, Are we going to be able to see corn-based ethanol, you know, participate in in this uh, uh, with the tax credits and whatnot? But yeah, this week is a better week than last week so far. Let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. Well, if I'm looking over at fat cattle, I mean, they tried earlier in the day. We at least had mixed. We got we wound up mixed in the feeders anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, this cattle market's had a heck of a run here after taking such a huge drop off. I think one last notable thing that I will tell you that I heard a little that I think could be uh, playing into this corn thing is we're hearing about, you know, some uh, maybe some Chinese business off the PNW. It's it's rumors right now, but there certainly seems to be a little bit of a buildup in the lineup out there. So uh, that would tell you that someone's in there maybe buying some corn. That that would be a really nice thing, something that we sorely need. Well, that would be and well-timed, too. Um, maybe they're looking at this yeah. just little mini pop that we're getting here. It doesn't seem very scary, but maybe if I have one job and that's to get corn, I might want to get on it. Absolutely. Hey, buddy, good talking to you. Matt Bennett, agmarket.net. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, yep. Okay, coming up next, we've got the commodities cowboy, Carl Setzer from Consus. Um, we're going to talk some of the the fundamental fundamentals. We're going to talk supply and demand balance. What What is the difference between a supply-driven and a demand-driven market? Which one does Carl believe we're in? What should we... uh, So many questions. Agritalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking... In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. And in fact, we're here right now. Well, we, me, me and the dog are here right now. Uh, so glad to have you along with us here on Agritalk on your Tuesday. February's coming to an end. It almost feels like we were robbed of that horribly depressing, ongoing February, doesn't it? Like, it's usually so cold, and you get to about the 20th, and you think, wow, is it not summertime yet? 
Will it ever? Anyway, uh, so here we are at the 27th of February, and it, it feels great. 77 degrees here in Kansas City and sunshiny. It's gorgeous. Uh, it does sound like we're going to have a little bit of a cool down, but then after that, right back uh, to the upside on the temperatures. Let's all keep our fingers crossed for that. Uh, okay, let's let's bring him in. Carl Setzer from Consus. Carl, you're a great friend of the show. You've been with us uh, since pretty much the beginning, brother. Uh, how are you today? Doing fantastic today. How are you, Davis? I'm sure glad to hear that. I'm very well, very well. Um, before we get too far into this conversation, you and I didn't talk about this ahead of time uh, when we were comparing notes, but I I got to know, and I'm pretty sure the listeners would like to know too, do you have any idea if miniature steers taste as good as the regular-sized ones? Can you report on that? Oh, a lot less tenderizing. Really? I, I don't know, and, and I, I'm going to catch flack from that from <laughs> within the office. We'll leave it at that, but that's, uh, right. that's my guess. That's uh-huh. that's my guess. Okay. They, they just seem tender. They seem uh-huh. like they'd be tender. You I know? would think so, too. Yeah. Prime rib, end to end. Boy, that's a dream come true. That's a dream come true right there. Um, Carl, there's there's an awful lot. I'm really glad to have you on here. Um, you're a super pragmatic, reasonable, uh, sensible, super smart guy. Um, not too much build up here. But you said something in our emails this morning that I really, really like, and I have to remind myself of this from time to time. And you said this, I think we need to stress not to panic. I want to give you a chance to speak broadly about that, and then maybe we can we can get into some more specifics. Go ahead. Why? Uh, I, I don't know. Panic seems easy, buddy. It 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 certainly does. And you know the thing is, Davis. It, it, the way I look at the market, I mean, let's let's be realistic here. Four dollars. It's a lot harder to sell four dollar corn than it is six dollar corn on the board. Um, it's a lot harder to sell 11 and, and 30 cent soybeans than it is to sell $14 soybeans. And we're starting to get loaded up. The funds are starting to get loaded up on the, on the short side. Um, there is no risk premium to speak of in this market. And, and now I'm not saying that we're going to we're just going to put on a V bottom and rally off that. I'm not saying that by any means, but you got to look at it. And pretty soon all the bearish news that you can throw at a market has been thrown at it. And that is pretty close to where we're at right now. Um, And and that's why I'm telling guys, you know, don't, don't panic. Don't, you know, don't, beat yourself up too hard um, because it, it is. It, the market is giving signs that it's nearing a bottom. Now, we could just hold at that bottom for, for weeks, months. Mm-hmm. But that's better than this continual bleeding that we've had to the downside. And this is especially in front of this spring planning season, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, Davis, I'm not trying to get bullish, but boy, it is hard to get more bearish at this stage. I'll give you that. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Do the, are the acreage numbers something that, that could maybe give us a little nudge or at least help us to place a floor a little bit if we get some more or fewer corn acres? I mean, are these the sorts of things you're talking about? I I think the acreage is something we definitely have to watch. I I think, you know, corn acres, you know, might be a little strong with what came out of the forum. Um, And of course, you know, we're a month away from, from the USDA numbers. 
and and those will be adjusted as well, obviously. But boy, on on one hand, you want to look at it and say, you know, we're probably going to lose corn acres. But then I look at the other side, and this is where I think we're starting to, you know, maybe overlook this a little bit. You got to look at spring weather coming up at us. And, you know, we've seen gradual improvement to our drought conditions, but there's still roughly a quarter of the United States, the, the Corn Belt, that's still in drought. And a lot of that area is in, you know, in Iowa, and especially that eastern side of Iowa, that drought is is hanging in there. You know, we're sitting here looking at a market. It's starting to get a little bit dry out here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. panicking because if you're going to have a drought, spring is the best time to have a drought because you can get that crop in fast. Yeah. But, boy, if we don't get any rain after that, you know, and it, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out some things that I'm definitely watching Mm -hmm. with a 55% chance of shifting back to a La Nina this coming production season. I can't be bearish weather right now. I really can't. I can't be overly bullish, but boy, like I said, you know, before Davis, when we have no risk premium in this market, we're Mm -hmm. oversold and the funds are loaded up to the short side it's just going to take one spark and it's, you know, last guy up, we shut the lights off for us. Right. Right. Or can we, as, that feels like it assumes something of a herd mentality among these shorts. One guy's out, they all go, you know, they, they find that hole in the fence and, and that's, that's all she wrote. Now they're all over the neighborhood. Is that, is that part of your thinking here? It is. And, and, you know, over the past week or so here, we've seen the weak shorts get flushed out. We see, you know, for example, today in soybeans, when we rallied, to me, that was a perfect, you know, we're getting some shorts out ahead of yeah. first notice day. I heard a month in. That's that's not surprising to get the weak ones out. But we need to see buying go all day long from bell to bell. And mm-hmm. and see these funds in there, and we just haven't got that momentum behind us yet. I, we like, we just need that one spark. And I put yeah. out one example: weather. Um, you know, like Matt said, if we see China come in and buy corn off the PNW, that would be a huge. I mean, there's just this market is starved for something to trade fresh, mm-hmm. and it isn't going to take much, and we're going to see things turn. That's that's my mm-hmm. opinion on this one. Well, I like that, and I and I would just reiterate what you were careful to point out at the beginning of this segment of the conversation is that you're not predicting or even expecting, you're not hoping for this huge, dramatic V-bottom followed by a parabolic move back to 775, and, you know, everything's everything's great. If Right now we're mostly concerned, we'll just stop the selling. Can we just stop the selling for now? We've talked about that as phase one here. That that's it. Just just stop the bleeding. Let us regroup yep. a little bit. Let the market work through what it's got, and then we start to grind higher. And you know yep. these yep. saucer bottoms. That is what I could see coming at us. All right. All right. Well, okay. But one of the main concerns is supply. I mean, if we're looking at carryout numbers. I mean, I, I I think it could be argued we're in an oversupplied market and in danger of a supply sort of snowball, as Chip somebody sometimes talks about. 
Uh, let's get into that difference between a supply-driven and a demand-driven market. We may need to clean up our conversation and finish it up on the other side of the break, but, Carl, I, I feel like this is vital to getting to where, where you're coming from. Yeah, and I'll start by just dividing the two up, Davis, is yeah. when you're in a supply-driven market, all talk is on the available bushels, and the available bushels are what's driving the market. Available cattle are what's driving futures, available hogs, what the available commodity is. When you have a demand-driven market, that means you have more buyers than sellers. That's okay. basically how we can, you know, you've got the demand. We have very, very good demand in our market right now. Corn demand from the 2022 to 23 marketing year to the 23-24, 849 million bushel increase in corn demand from year to year. Huge wow. jump in wow. corn demand. Mm -hmm. The thing is, that still leaves us with a 14.9% stocks to use, up five points from last year. We have huge demand for our corn, Davis. We just have that much corn to work through. And that huge supply is hanging over the market. And then let's throw in the South American crop going to be bigger. Global corn production going to be up, I believe, 22 million metric tons this year over mm -hmm last year on a whole then all of a sudden you take all the importers and they they say hey we probably don't need to push as hard we don't need to jump out we don't need to line up six months worth of usage because we got this huge supply at us we can go month to month we can go mouth to mouth we can do whatever we want and that is where we're at with corn right now we're even there a little bit on soybeans with this huge crop coming out of South America. I mean, we're going to have a big soybean crop out of South America this year. There's no way around that. Even in the United States, we got to look at our demand this year was cut. 161 million bushels this marketing year from last Davis. That only increased our carryout 51 million bushels. We still have a, a tight 7.6% stocks to use ratio. And quite honestly, I'm going to give everybody a secret here. Uh oh. I really hold on. Hold don't. It. Hold it. Hold it. We got to go to a break. <laughs> Cliffhanger on Agriton. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. 
Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. For July, hard red winter wheat futures gained nine and three quarters to five seventy-six and one quarter. July SRW wheat up nine and one quarter cents to five eighty-six and one quarter. May corn futures were two cents higher, four twenty-three and one half. December corn futures added three cents to four sixty. May soybean futures were four and one half cents lower, eleven forty and three quarters. July beans declined three and three quarter cents to eleven fifty-one and one half. July cotton four hundred seventeen points higher at one hundred and seventy-five. On your livestock's April fat cattle down thirty-seven and one half cents to one eighty-seven seventy-two and a half. April feeders up a nickel. 258.95 in April. Lean hog futures down 37 and one half to 85.90. Get more market news every single market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. I've got Carl Setzer from Consus with me today. We were We were talking about... The differences between a supply-driven and a demand-driven market. We had made it over into the soybeans, and uh, we cliffhanged you. Sorry about that, beloved listeners. It's fun. It's fun, right? It's it's a thing. Uh, Carl has one. He said he's got a secret. He said he's got a secret. Carl, do you remember the secret? Oh, absolutely, I do. Davis, I got to tell you, I mean, when when these WASDI numbers come out every mm-hmm. month, mm-hmm. I know – colleagues that sort through every single line and look at over and dwell on the numbers until the next report comes out. Mm -hmm. I am not that ambitious. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I go straight to the stocks to use. I really don't care what the other numbers tell me. You tell me what the stocks to use ratio is going to be. And if it's getting larger or smaller. That'll save you a lot of heartache going through these numbers. Yeah. And and there again, let's look at them. The stocks to use, we mentioned on corn, we went from 9.9 to 14.9. It, it's a 5% jump in stocks to use. Mm-hmm. We are above a point where we need to be rationing. If we get around that 10, 11%, you tend to see price rationing develop. Okay. Soybeans, our stocks to use in the 2022-23 marketing year, 6.1%. This year, it's going to increase to 7.6%. 7% is usually where we see some price rationing take place. Wheat, we're going from 30 to 35. So our stocks to use have all increased from last year to this year. So to see price pressure really not that surprising it's how much price pressure you see and where we've seen the most of that is because the global stocks to use corn and soybeans 
are getting loose, just like the United States is. We're starting to get a little bit more, more production, a little bit more supply in there. The global wheat supply expected to tighten a little bit. Now let's look at where the funds are positioned. Pretty close to record short positions in corn and soybeans. They're short wheat but only about 75,000 contracts or so. Funds are not real heavy to sell this, this wheat complex. And you look at that global stocks to use, that is where I get a little bit of optimism underneath this wheat market because we're just not seeing that managed money selling in that complex like we have in the corn and soybeans. But even so, we're not that far removed. We get one hiccup in production that maybe a developing La Nina this spring or summer could bring to Argentina like it did two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see this market flip. That's really interesting. Now, I guess my concern is, of course, you know, it, through all that, we still need to grow a crop. Are you still up in Michigan? I'm not sure where you are geographically anymore, Carl. I am in Lansing, Michigan. Yes, Lansing, sir. Michigan. So what was this? What was the snow cover like up there? I'm wor- I'm concerned there wasn't enough snow to really recharge us to the degree that we need to. You already said it's dry around here in some key areas. I I pushed snow once this winter, and basically that's because I wanted to get out of the house for a day. Um, <laughs> seriously, we have not had been, yeah. yeah, we've had some rains. And matter of fact, okay. we're supposed to get storms. You know, this system coming through tonight supposed to give us some rain. That's right. But you know, knock on wood, the horse pasture and the neighbors' cattle lots were dry. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. neighbors across the road cleaned out their cattle pens and already worked the ground. We are dry, and we have no frost out here. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now there is the argument that modern seed genetics are up to the task here. Um, and in that that respect, maybe droughts get a little bit less scary as we go on, but we'd still sure like to see a little soil moisture. Um, let's let's just talk about marketing really quickly on, uh, on corn and soybeans. So given all of this, you know, perhaps there is a saucer bottom. How do we market in uh, corn and soybeans for, for what you're des- describing here? You know, I, I look at these markets and like I said, I, I do feel that we're, you know, we're getting towards, you know, without a huge black swan event. And that's what we have staring at us in these, you know, these markets right now. You know, what what the unknown is, especially with the geopolitical developments taking place, I'm I'm advising my guys, look, sell what you need to, you know, don't dump your entire production. Okay. But if you need to to generate cash flow, peel off some bushels. I mean, you know, I hate to see a guy come in here and, and you know, looking at, you know, March futures at 408. Let's go out to the summer, 436. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, that's, you know, it's, it's all relative. But the thing is, is you still, to market some bushels at these values, and then make some target orders. If we rally five cents, market another small percentage or, or however you want, but get a plan in place because look at the way this market has been. We've seen gains in the overnight session that we haven't during day trade. Right. Um, there's opportunity, but you got to be prepared for it. And then, you know, let's not 
fall asleep on those new crop values out there. Beast 24 corn at 460. Sure. Uh, you know, no uh, uh, soybeans sitting out there. Uh, you know, 1130, pretty much the same as where we are right now. But the thing is, yeah, I think the market is gonna gonna rally. But if we don't, we need to have a plan in place, and that's where I'm saying we need to peel off some bushels, especially mm-hmm. if you need to generate some cash flow. Yeah, just make a little breathing room. Um, if we're not careful, we're gonna run out of time without talking about livestock. Uh, ongoing liquidation in China's hog herd. What do you make of it? That's that's something that I think we need to look at because we have a twofold reaction we could see here in the United States. That January hog slaughter came in at thirty seven point two five million head in 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 China, um, up twenty nine percent from a year ago. Now that put a lot of pork on their you know supply line ahead of the Lunar New Year. We've seen some of these numbers indicating maybe red meat demand was a little bit higher during the Lunar New Year than what was forecast. Um, you know, and China has been a steady buyer of beef and pork from us. I think China might be going through some consolidation in their hog herd, but they still want to make some imports from the United States. Um, on the one hand, I think we could see more beef and pork sold. But the feed grain exports, the soy meal, if we see this contraction in China's, you know, their sow herd was down to 40.6 million head at the end of January. That was down 7% from last January. If we continue to see this contraction, we might see less feed grain demand going into China, but we could see more red meat demand. And that's actually better for the U.S. farmer because we can all take part in that process. Yeah, Absolutely. Cattle numbers still look to be a problem. Um, no signs of expansion yet. You, you mentioned uh, the the brownification of the pastures up there in in Michigan. It's your others are not immune to the brownification as well. Um, the beef supply, the cattle supply. Let's let's go there. Cattle supply is tight. We know it's tight, but you know, looking at it. You know, the old saying is, you know, Davis, you feed $6 corn with a teaspoon and $4 corn with a scoop (laughs) shovel. Right. And, you know, guys are, they're holding these animals a little bit longer. We're seeing steers hanging there a little bit longer. Um, Some of these weekly, you know, the carcass weights, if you follow them, which, which I watch them pretty closely, you know, we've seen them up five, six, seven pounds from a year ago. You can have less numbers, but still generate a lot of beef when you look at it that way. And with the consumer demand being just a tad bit concerning heading into the grilling season, um, you know, I, I'm I'm not trying to get overly optimistic on livestock and especially on cattle. But boy, our red meat demand has not slowed at all. Um, you know, you go into the retail side of it and you know, people have no problem paying these prices for, for beef going into the summer. And we're, we're not even to the heat of the grilling season yet. To me, that is a good outlook. I think, you know, cattle futures hang in here for a while, especially with cheap feed grains and these declining numbers we've seen. And, you know, our total red meat supply, um, you know, you saw the numbers we were down from where we were last year at this time. It's going to take a little bit of building to get that back up. And and we are importing a lot of beef, but it's that 
you know, that select grade for hamburger. Oh. I tell you, we're sitting pretty good. I'm not too worried about livestock right now. Okay. Um, to to wrap up here, Carl, um, we may be going over some territory we covered earlier here, but I just I want you to put a lid on this conversation. The outlook for grain farmers, uh, not so good right now, but uh, you're, you're saying that there's a, there's no reason to panic at this point. Yeah, I'm 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 not panicking by any means, you know, and and yeah, it's depressing to look at, and I get that, but boy, you know, it's you got to look at where you are, and and like I said, it's going to take one, you know, one small hiccup, and we could see this market, you know, yep. firm up, yep. you so know, quite quickly. Watch that South American production next year. If we see a, a return to a La Nina, and it's yeah. even remotely as strong as the last one, look, you know, that cut Argentina's production by 50%. Yeah. You know, we can't rule that out happening this year because they are still rebuilding their soil moistures from that drought that they had. Carl, I'm going to have to cut you loose there. Dude, wow, what a great talk. Lots to, lots to think through. Carl Setzer. From Kansas, I appreciate you being here, buddy. When we come back, we're going to talk fertilizer, the weather, and uh, and then we'll we'll be done for the day. I know, such sweet sorrow on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Now, this is one of those songs you could sing at any age of life. In fact, I own neither if Chip and Joe are listening wherever they may be. Hey, fellas, travel safely. We're thinking about you. Looking forward to hear uh, what they come up with down at Commodity Classic. The rest of this, after after this show, the rest of it is all wall-to-wall Commodity Classic. Uh, it's it's gonna be awesome. Uh, tomorrow's afternoon show will be in the, in the NCGA booth. That's up on the third floor, uh, booth number seventy four zero five. Um, and then after we'll get into more later as as the week progresses here. Uh, but that's where you can catch them doing AgriTalk live tomorrow afternoon. NCGA booth seventy four zero five. 
on the third floor. Um, great conversation with uh, Carl Setzer there. That was a really, really refreshing perspective. A lot of gloom and doom out there. Um, just let's not panic. Let's keep our heads about us. That's I, I think it's a, a great message that he had. If, if you're just joining us right now, you got to go back and listen. Bro, he was really good. Um, I have some news here that we didn't get to this morning. I want to talk about uh, fertilizer prices. I've got new prices. Well, they were out They were out last week, but these are the latest that we have. Um, and, in fact, shameless plug for the Landowner Newsletter. I'm just finishing it up, and, and each, each month I do a month-on-month analysis of uh, fertilizer prices. Um, but I'll, I'll give you the most recent ones here that we found because it's uh, it's interesting. You know what? I'm going to kick it off with this news story from Ag Resource. It wound up in my email this morning. Uh, this from Ag Resource: Chinese urea production rates soar on low-cost coal. There's so much we could talk about just in there. You you say the word coal. <sighs> Don't get me started. Anyway, from Ag Resource: Quote, profitable production economics are supporting China's highest urea operating rates in over a decade as well as its rapidly growing fertilizer stockpile. China is the marginal urea supplier and normally exports when prices exceed the cost of production, which Ag Resource estimates at 225 a metric ton. That'll be a wholesale value. Uh, They continue, a revival in Chinese urea operating rates in the first quarter of this year uh, (laughs) offers hope to those seeking low-cost tons in the second quarter, when we believe the government's export ban will likely end. That's China's export ban of urea. They did that to try to to uh, uh, promote uh, local uh, local cheese. They did that to encourage domestic production. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, but it's about to end. It's coming to an end. Uh, the the article continues and finishes with this: China's main consumption period is in late of the first quarter, so that's kind of nowish. And the producer normally returns to the global market afterward when it exports. Prices fall. We've seen China pull back from urea exports early in my career, um, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago over a pro farmer chasing down the inputs and trying to figure out what is the deal with nitrogen? What are the price movers? What are you know, what is it? What do I need to know about Chinese urea? Was the one. They were the the leader uh in, in global exports, oftentimes a benchmark price setter, and then <laughs> off the market they go. Um, and, uh, and, and here we are. If we could get some urea back into this market out of China, um, it may help to not necessarily press down U.S. prices as much as just help global supply. Josh, uh, Josh Linville of Stonex is always, um, good to point out that sometimes things happen in the other side of the world that don't directly affect us here in the field, but they can, uh, impact the overall global situation and maybe some some supplies get rerouted from here to there yada 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 more fertilizer in the world is a good thing i think we can all agree on that uh how much does it cost let's go to the illinois cost of production report uh this from usda last week uh the 22nd of february george washington davis day i've got anhydrous ammonia now this is just for illinois just for illinois i've got anhydrous ammonia down uh during the reporting period 45 cents lower. That's on a range of 7.30 to 8.65 per short ton on anhydrous ammonia. The Illinois average down 45 cents at 7.84.55. Let me pop over to Iowa too, which is a separate report. Um, their offer is actually up $18 to 7.55.60. That's an average. 
but the the high and the low end of this range it's a lot narrower range 725 to 775 in Iowa to give us an average anhydrous print of 755.60. Back over to Illinois, reminder, 730 to 865 was our range there for an average of 784.55. Um, let's just buzz through these. We'll stay in Illinois. This is Illinois Urea, up $7.20 to 533.60. Uh, UAN, 28%, up $1.88, 376.10. DAP, diammonium phosphate, unchanged, dead steady at 741.89. Map is up. Uh, oh, actually, map is actually down. Fourteen dollars thirty-three cents to seven sixty-five sixty-seven. Phosphates are an area of concern. Overpriced. You know, we talk about that that UAN twenty-eight percent at three seventy-six ten. Call it three seventy-five with three eighty anhydrous. That that feels about right for twenty-eight uh, percent. Your potash down a, a whole twenty-five cents to five nineteen thirty-three in Illinois. Uh, farm diesel. Up 16 cents to an Illinois average of $3.27. That's on a range from $3 to $3.49 per gallon. We got to get over to Iowa quickly. Once again, anhydrous is up 18 bucks, but still at $7.55.60 in Iowa. Urea down 11 bucks to $5.78.25. Uh, they didn't report 28%. They usually don't on this report for some reason. Uh, we got 32%. That's up $3.75, $3.82.25. Basically priced in line where I like to see it with anhydrous ammonia. In Iowa, there, uh, DAP. Um, we're at seven eighty three thirty three. MAP is down about eight and a half bucks to eight twenty eight eighty. And your potash is at five thirty eight fifty in Iowa. That's down eleven dollars seventy. But look out for farm diesel. We're up thirty cents in Iowa to three dollars twenty five per gallon. And propane, liquid propane gas, up three cents per gallon to $1.61. I will have the monthly uh, plus some charts, a huge awesome analysis page in Landowner Newsletter. Subscribers, it's coming just a couple more days. I'm putting the lid on it today. Let's talk about the weather. You want to? National Weather Service 6 to 10 day temperature outlook. Um, below normal temperatures from the western coast of Nebraska over to the Pacific Ocean. Above normal temperatures expected uh, areas east of there. Six to ten day precipitation outlook. Um, basically near normal in Idaho and above normal every place else. Get out to the seven to fourteen day March six to March twelve. Basically the same setup. Uh, cold out west. Above normal temperatures remain out east. Still no speedo weather in Alaska, by the way. Below normal uh, precip comes into the Dakotas. Otherwise uh, above normal temperatures from that. Uh, so thanks, huge thanks to Carl Setzer from Kansas, uh, Matt Bennett from. Ag, uh, <laughs> better for joining us this morning. I'm your host, Davis Michelson, on Agritalk. Have a great day, everybody.